Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, September 14th. It's election day. We'll have more on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Alliance San Diego is encouraging Latino voters to get out to the polls today. One of every four voters in San Diego County is Latino, and only a small percentage of Latino voters have cast their ballots thus far. Vicky Perez, a proud Latina voter, blames misinformation as one of the reasons that Latinos don't vote. I think that we're getting a lot of mixed information, and that's one of the reasons why they don't like to vote and participate. The county's voting booths will open today from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. The San Diego Housing Commission has launched a new tool to help people search for affordable housing. It's called the Affordable Housing Dashboard, and it includes an overview about affordable housing in the city, a map searchable by zip code, along with proximity to transit and schools. You can find the dashboard on the commission's website at www.sdhc.org. The San Diego man who was arrested in Washington, D.C. on Monday morning has a history of legal problems here in San Diego. The San Diego County court records show a variety of charges against 44-year-old Donald Craighead. Tom Bussey with the Oceanside Police Department confirmed they cited Craighead earlier this year. We had contact with him back on, I think it was the 9th of January, because he's listed as a transient, and we had some type of contact with him that caused us to write him a citation. Donald Craighead was arrested near the Democratic National Committee headquarters. Capitol Police found a bayonet and a machete inside his truck, which had white supremacist symbols painted on it. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Beth Accomando, KPBS arts reporter and host of the Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm also a geeky gourmet who likes to bake food themed to the movies I watch, like chocolate blood to savor with Dracula, or an extra chewy Wookiee cookie to enjoy with Star Wars. I'm geeky about the things I love, and that makes me a public radio geek as well. I love being able to connect with audiences just like you through TV, radio, the web, and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. So, are you a KPBS geek? If so, then I'm asking you to get in touch with your inner nerd and become a member of KPBS today. Just go to kpbs.org and click the blue Give Now button and make a donation. That's right. Let's geek out together about the things we love. Today is the last day of the California recall election of Governor Gavin Newsom and also the second recall election in California history. The previous recall election was in 2003, where Governor Gray Davis was replaced by GOP candidate Arnold Schwarzenegger. However, Thad Kauser says this election's polling suggests that the majority of Californians want to keep the current governor. Thad Kauser is a political science professor at UC San Diego. He spoke with with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Here's that interview. Now, polling is looking a lot better for Governor Newsom to survive this recall. What kind of odds do you think he has going into tomorrow's election? 
I think the governor's a strong favorite as polls that, that really bounced around a lot over the spring and early summer are now coming into line with what you would normally expect in California, right? Poll numbers that seem to have a consensus around a uh, 10% or more lead for uh, for Governor Gavin Newsom to survive the recall. But we've still got to, of course, run the election. That's the only poll that matters. Yeah, you know, uh, in because of recent years, I think some of us have developed a kind of poll phobia. <laughs> could these could this poll be wrong? Could these polls be wrong? Right. And we've seen generally that the polls that have been taken in California and at the national level doing very well and being strongly predicted of, of outcomes, whereas polls in, in some smaller states have, have not been as as strong. But look, the the these polls are all snapshots of, of what an electorate is thinking at a certain time. Uh, this election is, is a unique one, right? It's happening over a month, right? As people ba- mail in their ballots at different times. And we'll see more and more people voting in person. Uh, we've seen that this week. Weekend. We'll see that today and tomorrow at these vote centers. And so none of those polls is a perfect representation of, of the, the sum total of, of, of what voters are saying and how they're casting their ballot over this month. Now, we just heard that there could be some national ramifications if Governor Newsom loses this recall election, like uh, a Republican governor being able to replace Senator Dianne Feinstein if she could not complete her term. But my question is, do you think there would be any national repercussions if Newsom wins and is not recalled? I think people across the country are looking to this election as as a harbinger of what might be happening in in 2022, right? As this uh, as we have crucial House races, including many battleground congressional districts in California, this recall will will set the stage for that, right? If it's a Republican upset win, that sets the narrative, just like the Democrats upset win in an Alabama Senate race set the narrative heading into the 2018 congressional elections. It, the other thing that's going on is there's been this kind of clash of, of two governing approaches, right? The California approach on the one hand versus the Texas or Florida approach on the other hand. Things like strong environmental protections uh, and, and really strong actions to stop the spread of COVID opposed to what people see as a more business friendly and uh, and freedom oriented approaches of states like Texas or, or, or Florida, this election is in many ways seen as a referendum on that approach to COVID and government in general. And does California's approach have popular support? If Republicans are not successful in this recall effort, some are speculating that it will lead to soul searching within the party about the direction of the GOP in California. Do you think that's likely? Yes, but that's the same conversation that we've had after nearly every election for the last 10 years, right? After the monumental 2010 election, which was the, which set in place a series of, uh, of elections in which California never, uh, never elected a Republican to, the, to any statewide office, right, from t- 2010 onward, where California's electorate was then clearly more reflective of the diversity. There had been that conversation, you know, and then in the succeeding elections when Democrats uh, got and solidified the two-thirds margin in each legislature. There's been a series of postmortems on the GOP in California and soul-searching uh, conversations. But the problem is with the weak parties we have in California, there's no one person, there's no small group of people who can turn the party in a different direction. And so it will be an evolving conversation uh, about what's next if the GOP loses this golden opportunity. 
You know, once again, Thad, voters have come face to face with California's unusual recall process, and they have to confront the fact that someone could become governor with only 20% of the vote. Do you foresee any effort brewing to reform that process? Yes, though it will be challenging because <laughs> it's always difficult, right? No one ever made a political career out, off of monkeying with the rules uh, that, that might take away power from the people. But I think there will be a unique political opportunity that opens up here if the recall is unsuccessful, right? If Democrats can win this race, then I think they have the opportunity to consider reforms without looking like it's sour grapes, right? Why didn't we get a, re- a reform of the recall process after 2003, right, when all these problems became clear and many of us were talking about them, because it would have seemed like sour grapes if the Democrats who just lost to Arnold Schwarzenegger changed the rules of the game. But if if, if Democrats win under these rules of the game, then I think it's open, their voters may be open to considering changes. We just saw a poll come out today and we'll be seeing, we actually have a uh, UC San Diego Yankelovich Center poll just going out into the field that we'll have results in in the next week or so that will look at what voters thought about this process, whether they want to keep it, whether they want to change it and what process they'd like to use. Should we have an independent commission? Should the legislature come up with ideas? Uh, should you know How should voters finally decide on a process to once and for all uh, reconsider uh, a recall process that, uh, that, that has many cracks that have opened up. And that was UC San Diego political science professor Thad Kowser speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. A local hunger relief organization has just received a $100,000 grant that will support a program that provides schools with food for low-income families. KPBS's Melissa May has more. Feeding San Diego received a $100,000 grant from Cigna Foundation's Healthier Kids for Our Future grant program. This money is is very well timed and is going to be put to great use. Becky Gower is the grants manager at Feeding San Diego and says the grant money is going to support their school pantry program. It provides low-income schools across the county with food for when children are at home. Our program is providing meals, food, staples, and fresh produce for when the child is home with their families. So for whatever meals that they have in, in their household to help them um, you know, cook more meals at home, have more fresh uh, food available to both the students and their families. Several school districts benefit from this program, and most run food distribution twice a month. The grant money will help include more schools in the program. We found works really well because it is at the schools and families are visiting schools already. So it's kind of one stop. It's a mix of both shelf stable and fresh produce. Um, It's about 30 pounds of food total. Gower says the grant money is going to go a long way. We project that we will be able to distribute just over 4 million meals. Feeding San Diego recently wrapped up their fiscal year and were able to provide over 40 million meals to people facing hunger. And that was KPBS's Melissa May. The city and county are close to opening a new homeless shelter in San Diego's Midway District to help treat people with addiction and behavioral health problems. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says it's a change from how shelters have traditionally been operated here. We need to stand up programming that better meets people where their needs are. This shelter is located off a busy sports arena boulevard. Now there's still being some work done inside to rehab the building, but soon this space will be helping the chronically homeless and those with substance abuse issues. 
wanting to create a different environment for folks in an environment that's trauma-informed and, and feels more like um, welcoming and less maybe stressful for folks who might not do well in a larger shelter. San Diego Housing Commission Vice President Lisa Jones says this is not like the larger bridge shelters in the downtown area. They do not have high-level behavioral health, clinical social workers, substance use disorder in our existing shelter system. And so they're not, they're really not resourced for that severely mentally ill, significant substance use and co-occurring conditions. That's where hopefully this harm reduction strategy will really be more effective. The harm reduction strategy means people can come here under the influence. They can't use drugs inside and county teams will work to try to get them off of drugs or alcohol, then eventually into more permanent housing. I love the design of this, the smaller, um, you know, service intensive model. I think it's a wonderful partnership with the county. The Housing Commission unanimously approved the new shelter. For the first nine months, it will cost $1.7 million to operate with homeless service provider Alpha Project running day-to-day -day operations. The price per bed here is higher than existing shelters, but officials say that's to make sure there are enough services and on-site security. Frankly, we've over-invested just to make sure that we, um, we don't understaff this program and you know we can always we can always scale back but um, but we want to make sure that um, that it's successful. This shelter is the first piece in a new harm reduction model for the region. The idea is then to open up some smaller safe haven shelters where people can stay longer and have individual rooms. The San Diego Housing Authority aka the City Council has until later this week to pull the item for additional review. If that doesn't happen, officials are aiming to open the new shelter late next month or in early November. And that was KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. Coming up, a new performing arts center has opened for the fall semester at the Chula Vista campus of Southwestern College. Some are coming in with folklorical training, some are coming in with Polynesian training, belly dance, Latin, and you're going to have those same people in a ballet class or a chop class or a musical theater class. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can, all right? Thanks. A modern $66 million performing arts center has opened for the fall semester at the Chula Vista campus of Southwestern College. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez tells us more about its impact on the South Bay and the next generation of artists. There we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Marie White makes every movement with meaning. She's a dancer learning how to express her artistic talent and develop tenacity. 
it's a huge adrenaline rush. If you're like me and you just like you really crave that like attention and you like you feed off the audience. It's like it's an unreal feeling if I'm being honest. It's amazing. Sarah is one of the first students to take classes at the new 41,000 square foot performing arts center on the campus of Southwestern College. The brand new complex is state of the art. Veteran dance professor Mary Jo Horvath is determined to use her modern classroom studio to train and cultivate the distinct and diverse talent coming from the South Bay community. Some are coming in with folklorical training, some are coming in with Polynesian training, belly dance, Latin, and you're going to have those same people in a ballet class or a tap class or a musical theater class. This is the large auditorium, which will primarily be used for music concerts, but it will also be used for dance concerts and also occasionally for theater performances. Mike Buckley is the Southwestern Theater Arts Technical Director. He says the Performing Arts Center is not just for learning, it's for entertaining, too. The school will mount its student productions in the complex, scheduled alongside events produced by professional arts organizations and community groups. Negotiations are underway with the San Diego Opera. and the San Diego Symphony to lease the space in the future. The complex cost $66 million to design and build. All of it was paid with bond money approved by local voters in November 2016. And we really thank the voters of Chula Vista who saw the vision for what could happen at Southwestern College if they just injected some funds here. The corner of the campus where the Performing Arts Center sits was an empty lot for 50 years. Generations of children from the South Bay would come at Christmas time to pick a tree with their family or enjoy the pumpkin patch at Halloween. Now the corner offers much more than just fun but opportunity like never before. Freshman Taylor Wiggins wrote a monologue for Professor Ruff Yeager's Acting One class. She wants to be an actress or playwright someday. I love you, and I'm trying to make this work, but you make it so difficult. You don't want to listen to a word I say. You shut me out. Taylor says she's grateful for her education and the new and improved resources Southwestern has to offer her and other students of color. 90% of the student population comes from historically minority and marginalized communities. Almost 70% of them are Hispanic. Edwin Anthony Rodriguez is one of them. He wants to be a choreographer and maybe someday start his own dance studio. This is where the dream begins for him. I have a lot of Mexican background and I really appreciate it. I love to hone my heritage. That's why I'm also a Latin dancer, so I can really get in touch with my roots. Professor Horvath has spent 31 years on the Southwestern faculty teaching and creating a community of next-generation dancers. She provides the education and encouragement that often takes her students much farther than a stage. I think dance kind of gives them... Uh a new outlook on life. Uh, they start to kind of come out of their shell a little bit as they gain uh, technique and uh, as they perfect their craft. Just a few weeks into the fall semester, a community multi-million dollar investment is already yielding a profit of potential. And that was KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. 
And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio, or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.